Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Yo, 50 years of hip-hop. 50 years of hip-hop from Listener Power, KEXP. 50 years in, hip-hop has become bigger than ever. In 2018, Nielsen Music, the world's leading authority on music sales and consumption data, announced that R&B and rap had officially overtaken rock music as the most popular genre in the United States. That's thanks in large part to bona fide superstars that even your grandparents might recognize. Artists like Jay-Z. The flow of the century, oh, it's timeless. Ho! Drake. She say, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mom. I'm sorry. Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Stars have gone to being at the top of their genre to ubiquitous recognition of pop culture. And it seems like there's always been someone who had to be first. In hip-hop, our first star arrived in 1980 under the name Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow embodied hip-hop well before he became known across the nation. Born Curtis Walker in 1959, the MC grew up in New York's Harlem neighborhood, where he had a first-hand look into both the growing civil rights movement and the birth of hip-hop as a genre and ideology. Like many kids his age, he had his brain rewired by the music of James Brown. Brown's music redefined rhythm for a generation, leaning into syncopated beats. His sound was raw and raucous, only outmatched by Brown's own bravado. His sets were full of sensational dance moves and sweat. Good sweat, I might add. The concept we talked about in our episode on stress by Organized Confusion. James Brown quickly became a hero for young Curtis. It led him to start dancing himself and becoming a b-boy, or breakdancer. Before hip-hop officially became hip-hop, b-boys would show off their moves to the breaks and songs. The breaks are these moments where the band pulls back to let the drummer shine. One, two, three, four, get it! Here's one you've almost certainly heard before. The famous break from James Brown's Funky Drummer, one of the most sampled drum breaks in hip-hop. Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? Curtis's next step was to start DJing. Again, these were still relatively new concepts. For example, scratching had just begun to catch on a few years back. As cool DJ Kurt, he'd spin records at parties and even served as the radio program director at the City College of New York. Then, in 1977, he began rapping. At the behest of his manager, future Def Jam Records co-founder Russell Simmons, he changed his name to Curtis Blow. He began performing underground shows and building a reputation for himself on the mic, joined by DJs like the legendary Grandmaster Flash, and for a moment, Russell Simmons' younger brother, Joseph. At the time, Joseph called himself the son of Curtis Blow. You may know him as Rev Run, one of the founding members of Run DMC. By 1979, hip-hop music began to transition from something you'd only hear live to actually appearing on Wax. 
first with the fatback band's King Tim the Third, personality jock. I am the voice of King Tim the Third. Tell you what I want you to do: a little left hand, right hand in the air, and you slam like you just don't care. You put and of course, there was the mega hit "Rapper's Delight" by the Sugar Hill Gang. Have you ever went over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good? I mean, the macaroni soggy, the peas almost, and the chicken tastes like wood. Hip hop was finally starting to make a mainstream breakthrough. Russell Simmons and Curtis saw the opportunity to start releasing music of their own. Russell reached out to two writers at Billboard, Robert Ford Jr. and J.B. Moore, and convinced them to produce music for Curtis. The production duo also came up with an idea of their own. They suggested Curtis record a Christmas song, knowing that a holiday single would ensure airplay every year. Thus, Curtis Blow's first single, Christmas Rappin', was recorded. You give me all that jive about things you wrote before eyes alive. Cause this ain't 1823, ain't even 1970. Now I'm the guy named Curtis Blow, and Christmas is one thing I know. So every year, just about this time, I celebrate it with a rhyme. They recorded the song in October and began shopping it around. Mercury Records quickly picked it up, making 19-year-old Curtis Blow the first rapper signed to a major label. There were some caveats, though. The label needed the single to sell at least 30,000 copies before they'd let him release another single. And then his second single would need to sell at least 50,000 copies before they'd let him make an album. Seemed like a tough feat, right? Well, as it turns out, Christmas Rappin' went on to sell over 400,000 copies. Even today, more than 40 years later, you can still hear it on the radio every December. So I went to the attic where I thought I heard the static on a chance that the fans put somebody breaking in. Put the noise on the top with a reindeer top. Just a trick, say Nick, and I let the sucker in. While Christmas rapping was a surprise success, Curtis would top himself and defy expectations again with his second single, The Breaks. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. The song finds Curtis waxing poetic on all the different forms of breaks. The drum breaks he danced to as a kid and rapped to as a recording artist. The breaks on a car. The bad breaks life gives you. Breaking it up. Taking a break. Commercial breaks. He says breaks in all of its different forms 84 times in the nearly eight minute long song. And these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Ultimately, the song would be his own big break. The Breaks sold more than 500,000 copies. It became the first rap single to be certified gold by the RIAA. It also set him up for another run of firsts. While Sugar Hill Gang edged him out by releasing the first rap album with their 1980 self-titled debut, he'd release his own self-titled debut the same year. His rising profile made him the first rapper to book a national and international tour. Years later, in 1986, he'd be the first rapper with an endorsement deal. This is Curtis Blow with the latest trend. You got to know what's out and what's in. Talking about the taste, the one that's right. Now more than ever, it's right. And of course, he's also the first person to get a rap verse from, um, Bob Dylan? I've indulged in high knowledge to scan of encyclopedia. Keeping constant research of our reports and news media. Kids starve in Ethiopia, and we are getting greedier. The rich are getting richer, and the needy's getting needier. Curtis Blow would have a successful and lucrative career throughout the 80s and maintains legendary status to this day. He never had a single as successful as The Breaks. 
but looking back at his rise to stardom shows a template for the stars who'd follow after him. Even on his debut album, he was taking creative risks that predated landmark efforts by his peers. Like attempting a rap and rock fusion with a cover of Bachman Turner Overdrive's Taking Care of Business. And if you ever get annoyed, look at me, I'm self-employed. I like to work and love it all day. And I've been taking care of business. That was six years before Run DMC would rework Aerosmith's Walk This Way alongside the band Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. And even a ballad like Curtis's All I Want in This World is to Find a Girl Like You feels like it predates genre-stretching moves from artists like Drake. In this track, Curtis isn't rapping. He's singing. Not all of these moves were necessarily successful, but they paved the way for other hip-hop artists. Curtis Blow and his cohort weren't working from a playbook. They were creating one. After all, someone had to be the first to break new ground. Thanks to Roddy Nickpour for audio production on this piece. Next time on the show, we're taking you to 1997 and digging into not a song, but instead a PlayStation game. We're talking about Parappa the Rapper and hip-hop's intersection with video games. I'm Dusty Henry. We'll see you next time on 50 Years of Hip-Hop from listener-powered KEXP, where the music matters. <laughs>